Spaz is biased towards NXT. Spaz is biased towards NXT. Everybody knows Spaz is biased towards NXT. Of course, Spaz is biased. He's incredibly, he's basically paid off by Triple H, biased towards NXT. It's true, but it doesn't change the fact that you could not pay me to get excited about tonight's show. Oh, dear Lord, let's talk about it. What's going on, everybody? It's your buddy, it's your pals, Pass Phoenix, the YWC Reality Check. And yes, even though it's on sci-fi, this is your July 27th, 2021 NXT review. How are you doing? I don't know how I'm doing. Honestly, I really don't. Uh, the world's opening up again, which is cool. I've been out to the theater, which when I do get back with uh, Kristen, we're going to have some movie stuff to talk about. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Not quite sure when that is going to be. Schedules are sort of mashing against each other, so that's fun. Got to go out to a restaurant and actually sit and have somebody else cook me some food and drink somebody else's vodka. It was good. But also the Olympics are going on. And for those of you that have known me for a long time, you could not pay me to give a rat lizard fuck about the Olympics. Especially the people that are getting kicked out of the Olympics or getting fined at the Olympics because <gasps> when you break the rules, things happen. <laughs> oh, it's, it's, it's a weird night. And then they give me this NXT. Now, now I said this a while ago, and I'm not surprised. This is the two weeks, because of the Olympics, that NXT was not only moved to sci-fi, but it was pre-taped. Uh, a lot of spoilers got out, so that's part of the problem. But also, on a tape show, on two tape shows, so next week should be just as good, right? Um, they, they didn't give us the A material, let's just say. Now, I will be, I will be fair uh, to the brand that I'm bi so biased to. You know it's going to be a good review. You know I'm about to take the piss out of NXT when I start the review talking about how biased I am towards NXT. But we said it, and, and I wasn't saying it in a, in a really, really critical way, but when Dynamite was not on its proper night, when it was bouncing Friday, Saturday, whatever the case may be, there was an accusation thrown at them that they were holding back their best material, A, until they could get in front of a full audience, and B, until they got back on their proper night. And to a certain extent, that makes sense. So I expected NXT to do the same here. Um, they have done the same here. And it feels like, even though... Here's the piss off of it, and I'm sorry I'm scattered because this is not gonna. I don't have this laid out the way I typically lay out a review, so you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to allow me some some flubs and and such. Um, they have conspired to give me stuff that I want in a way that I can't get excited about it. Like there's matches coming up at Takeover that I really like, that I'm really looking forward to, that are going to be really fun, even though a bit predictable because of of main roster meddling, specifically with Karrion Cross. But they they're giving me stuff that I like in a way that I can't enjoy. I'll enjoy it on the night. I'm really hoping that they're going to surprise us at the last minute and tell us that it's not in the CWC. That would be really good. But we did, I should say, before we get started, I want to send a quick shout out to our good friend Jake DeMarco for not only joining me for the Money in the Bank preview, which was a lot of fun, also thank you to any of you who uh, tuned into my Slammiversary preview. Um, I went into that not the most educated in the world, so I was just sort of throwing shit at the wall, so anybody that did check that out, thank you very much. But also, I got my second COVID shot last Monday, so by Tuesday afternoon, Tuesday evening, 
it was kicking my ass. So you guys didn't get a proper review like this last week. So Jake hopped in uh, as we as we did on the Thursday to give you guys a sort of a late review on the Friday. And talking to Jake, that's sort of going to be the thing going forward, or at least that's what I'm going to try and do here. Is if I can't give you a review on the night, either because I think the show is shit, or because I'm not available, or you know whatever the case may be, if something comes up. I'm going to try and grab Jake or somebody and we'll do uh, sort of a late review, but a more conversational review later on down the line. That seems to be something that works pretty good. And, you know, Jake hasn't gotten sick of me yet, so cheers to him for that. But uh, we did talk last week about the uh, all the stuff between Joe and Cross and the attack on William Regal, and that's, that's where we started tonight. Um... I should plug the socials, shouldn't I? Yeah, you guys know where to find me, at SpazPhoenix, at SpazPhoenix1, Instagram, at SpazPhoenix, SpazPhoenix Podcast on, on the Facebook thing, you know, comment down here, find me in your podcast platforms. The excitement is not here tonight, guys, I'm, I am, I apologize, I'm trying to make, I'm trying to make my fumbling around this boring show at least entertaining for you guys, I'm sure it's not, if you're listening to me in audio, I, I, I can only imagine this sounds like a clown show. At this point, but we started off with Champa and Thatcher versus Dunn and Lorcan, and I took notes for this match that I'm not going to bother going through because it ultimately doesn't matter. You got four toughest shit guys beating the ever ever loving shit out of each other, and the result, the end of the match, is not about any of the four guys in the ring. It's about the return of Ridge Holland, who attached, who attacked. I see, it's it's late in the day, uh, who attacked. Thatcher on the outside, letting Dunn hit the bitter end on uh, on Champa, which is you know Champa's a former champion, so it, it's a big win for Dunn, I guess. Uh, they did a three on two beatdown post match, and here's the thing: with the, with the exception of Ridge Holland, there is there's a problem here because everybody else involved in this scenario, out of the five guys involved in this scenario. I have varying degrees of investment in all of them. Thatcher is sort of hit and miss. He's done some stuff that I've really liked. He's done some stuff that sort of made me go, eh, whatever. Lorgan, I of all of them, is, I think, incredibly underutilized. You guys know I've got a huge bias towards Pete Dunne. Obviously, Destiny Wrestling. Check it off your Spass Phoenix Buckley. Here's the deal, too. SummerSlam weekend, I might be going to a Destiny show because they might actually be able to do a fucking show. And Champa is one of the four pillars of NXT, even though one of those four pillars has now gone to SmackDown to fight Sami Zayn and potentially get fed to the Roman Reigns steamroller. Let's just not talk about it. But here's the thing. Nobody involved in this match is where I want them to be. I don't care about Ridge Holland. So that reveal to start off the show was a fart in an elevator, first of all. I, I want Pete Dunne doing singles. I want Pete Dunne in the world title picture, or, or sorry, the NXT world title picture. And p people don't agree, that's fine, that's cool, whatever. The other side of that coin is I do like Oni Lorcan, and I said he's very, very underutilized. But also, if I'm seeing him in a tag team scenario, I want him with Birch. They haven't given us an update on, on Birch for a long time. I hope that doesn't mean that he's not coming back. Them as a team were incredibly, like... There wasn't flash to them, but they were good. They were what I think NXT thinks Imperium is, and we're going to get to Imperium later, Jesus Christ. Uh, but I also kind of want to see Champa back in the singles uh, picture. Now, um, Jake and I said this a while ago, Champa and Thatcher sort of have the Cesaro and Sheamus thing going on. Now, I like Cesaro enough, and Sheamus is sort of there. Uh, I like Champa a lot, 
and Thatcher's just kind of there. Now, me saying that I want Ciampa in, in single scenarios really leaves Thatcher out on its own because I do think Thatcher is better as part of the tag team. But just nobody, not, like looking at Dunn and Ciampa, like before the interference, before the Ridge Holland reveal, uh, I, I saw little flashes of Dunn versus Ciampa. That's a match. That's a match that I want. Make that an, okay, maybe not a title match because the whole carry and cross Samoa Joe situation, don't worry, we're going to get to it. But make that a number one contenders match. Throw a number one contenders match on a takeover. They used to do that. I'm doing the old NXT takeovers right now, as you know. They used to put number one contenders matches as takeover matches themselves. You could do that. You could throw Dunn versus Ciampa on takeover, what is it, 36, as a number one contenders match, or just as an exhibition match, and I that would be one of the reasons that I buy the pay-per-view. Speaking of takeover, as much as I'm belly aching about this show tonight. I am looking forward to TakeOver. I really hope it ends up not in the CWC, but we take what we can get. This this match frustrated the hell out of me, and it frustrated the hell out of me because it wasn't a bad match either. I just, I couldn't retain any of it. I didn't care about any of it because these people that I like are not doing what I want them, what I want them to do, and that really sucks, and Rich Holland can fuck off. He's been back for two hours now. I just finished. I went and got myself a drink, so... He's been back in NXT approximately two hours, and as far as I'm concerned, he can already fuck off with his wannabe Batista-looking ass. And we had a bunch of stuff in the back. We had a video package on Carmelo Hayes, which is awesome. I like Carmelo Hayes, as you guys know. Predicting him doing the whole thing, and I do have an idea who the final is going to be for the, uh, for the Classic as well. Um, we see Joe arriving to the arena. His new shirt literally says, Provoke Me, which I think is really cool. And Hit Row are backstage talking shit about Legato Del Fantasma, and then randomly talking shit about Imperium. Now, Imperium might have said something about them sometime over the past couple of weeks, but I wouldn't know because I literally cannot maintain anything Imperium says because I could not give a shit. That is the theme of the evening, is it not? Now, let's get into one of, the, one of the few good things that did happen, and it was a very, very short, very concise, very to-the-point, and very effective, um, I don't want to say promo segment, but segment nonetheless. Samoa Joe comes out, and he's got a folder in his hand, and unfortunately, this has already been spoiled for me, but the way this played out was still really good. He came out with a folder in his hand, so you, it looks like the beginning of any particular like contract signing segment, but there's nothing in the ring. Joe's basically calling his own shot, reaches under the ring, grabs one of the little plastic folding tables, chucks it in the ring, gets the chair, puts it in the ring. It's basically like, I'm going to have a contract signing, so I'm going to put all the cliches in place for a contract signing. Talks for about 10 seconds about what a coward carrying cross is, and he's not going to bother calling him out because he knows he's a coward little bit of a spoiler, Karrion Cross wasn't on this show at all, he's on Raw licking his wounds, and so are the Keith Lee fans out there, they're licking their wounds after Monday Night Raw, aren't they? Oh, yes, he requests William Regal to come out there instead, William Regal's all pissed off, I love William Regal's pissed off face, it's great, and seeing him with his pissed off face, and Joe with his pissed off face, and they're just feeding off each other, and that part of it was really cool. He's like, I know what you're going to do. I know you're pissed off from last week. Don't do what you're about to do. I know you're about to fire Kerry and Cross, and William Regal's just sitting there like, yeah, I am, like, you're fucking ridiculous, whatever. Right? He says, don't. I got a better idea. I got a three-step process for you. We're going we're gonna to deal with Kerry and Cross. Now, realistically, this is uh, basically Kerry and Cross being aborted from NXT, but he says, he reaches into the folder, and he says, here, have this first. This is my resignation as a member of NXT management. And Regal kind of looks at him as, okay, this, as soon as you put your signature on it, 
is a talent contract, reintroducing me to the active NXT roster. Signs it off after a long pause, and he's just, you can see Regal, when he's got this, like, searing anger to him, he's actually pretty cool, he's, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna sign this, and it's good, he's like, his own, like, positive version of Vince McMahon, and I know I'm gonna get pelters for saying that, but it is okay what it is, but I said, it was a three-step process, this third slip of paper here gives me a match with Karrion Cross at TakeOver 36, for the NXT Championship, and again, sister, yeah, yeah, you're gonna get the, you're gonna save the belt, and you're gonna deal with Cross, and I don't know why Regal has turned into Vince McMahon in my head, but he's just, it was cool, like, the energy, it's not exactly the greatest thing in the world, because Regal's not gonna have a match, but the energy that Regal puts off occasionally, combined with the absolutely, I'm gonna rip your fucking skull out through your asshole energy, of Samoa Joe and watching the two of them feed off of each other was really cool and I think on a show like this where there wasn't much cool I think that is gonna go under the radar signs of the third piece of paper crowd goes nuts thank you Regal Chance um, that's it there's no there's no interference there's no interruption there's no as I say carry and cross it's just this is this is the match this is what I want and this is you know, uh, William Regal for once not maybe doing things because it's the right thing to do, but because he's pissed off and he knows that he can sort of set Joe off the leash type of thing. It was, um, what's, what's the line in The Dark Knight where he was talking to one of the gangsters and he just says, you know, Joker's just a dog, I want the man that let him off the leash. Well, the man that let him off the leash in this case is William Regal. They give William Regal more agency on NXT, and I th I'm saying this as a, as a cool, positive thing. I, they were doing the same thing with, with Johnny Saint on NXT UK, but I, I'm not going to lie. I don't watch NXT UK. I will eventually start watching it again, because we need to talk about what was announced later on. But for right now, I will say William Regal has the most agency, because Sonya Deville has authority just because she does. Adam Pierce is just... They make Adam Pierce come out to Sonya Deville's music, which is hilarious to me every single time, and yes, people are going to say that makes me sexist, I don't care. I literally don't care. And then you got the the McMahons that are, uh, that are caricatures of themselves. Now, I've heard, let's divert from this, because this show sucks, so I'll talk about something positive. I've heard, and I don't know all the details, but WWE Network and Blumhouse are getting together, and they're making a mini-series about the the lawsuit between the government of the of the United States and Vince McMahon. I'm telling you right now, I will watch the fuck out of that. I will watch the fuck out of that because that's because we all know it has a happy ending too, which is always always good. We see a video package on Josh Briggs. I feel like I should be throwing it to my boy Jake DeMarco, but he's not with me tonight. And uh, Josh Briggs is his boy, and Carmelo Hayes is 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 my boy in this match coming up very soon. And I will say. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap them all up in one in one short little conversational bit right here because it's it's terrible. All the Cameron Grimes, L.A. Knight, Butler at the golf course bullshit. Um, in the third or fourth segment, they run into the grizzled young veterans and they're gonna have a match next week. I I, I don't want to waste any time on the Grimes and Knight million dollar Butler shit because it's piss. Like. I said last week, for those of you that were listening to it, I said to Jake, I said, I can't say anything about this. Please say something nice about this. And Jake had some very uh, open-minded, some constructive, some some good things to say, as he usually does. And I I think I just came to the point where it's like, I, I'm, I'm done giving this chances. This is piss, man. Like, 
I can't. I can't do it. You know what I got all the time in the world for, though, is Carmelo Hayes versus Josh Briggs, which is the next match in the NXT Breakup Tournament, and they finally gave us a graphic. I didn't take a picture of it or write it down or anything like that, but I can tell you that the winner of this match is going on to face Duke Hudson, uh, who's already pr proceeded on in the previous. Duke Hudson was the one that beat... Uh, Ikemanjiro, which is sad, because I was looking forward to saying Ikemanjiro a whole bunch in this turn. He used to be Vink, right? The guy, Vink, that was, like, managed by MVP for, like, two seconds before he made the Hurt Business. Remember the beginning of COVID? Remember that shit? Um, anyways, Briggs is a big boy. Briggs is a guy I've never seen wrestle before, so he's got, he's got that going for him, whereas I've seen Carmelo face not only the Cruiserweight Champion, but also Adam Cole. Again, another one of the pillars of NXT. But Briggs, man, Briggs is a big fucking dude, and I'll, and I'll, and I'll give him that much. Scoop slam by Briggs to start the match in a series of strikes by Hayes, a bear hug by Briggs, and he's got him in the bear hug with one arm, and he's hitting him in the ribs with the other hand. It's like when you've got somebody down in a, in a headlock, but instead of headlocking, you just cross-face them across the face, clearly. Uh, but he was basically cross-facing the ribs while he had him in a bear hug, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, that would hurt. Uh, series of kicks to the face by Hayes, a springboard leg drop, a dragon's... The, the springboard spinning leg drop thing that Hayes does is quickly becoming one of my favorite things that he does. Uh, dragon sleeper by Hayes and a series of forearm shots to follow. Punch knockdown by Briggs sends us into commercial break. During the commercial break, at some point, Duke Hudson came to join them on commentary, which is fine. It's not that he joined them in, he joined them in a really contrived way at the beginning. It's like, well, these guys are fighting, therefore we have this guy here. No, he came down ha about halfway through as sort of to show like a natural, like, hmm, maybe I should be paying attention to this. It's a little difference, but it does make a difference. Body shots by Hayes, a full body splash by Briggs, which would fucking wreck. Uh, Rana by Hayes and Inseguri and a springboard forearm to follow face to the knee. I don't know what to call it. Um, I hate that this is the reference I need to use, but Nikki Bella used to do it, basically, where she'd take your face, like, from a, from a stunner position and bring you forward down across her knee. I'm sure it has a name, I'm sure somebody's screaming it down in the comment section below right now, but that was followed by a codebreaker, which absolutely has a name and absolutely is driving the AEW fans nuts. Big boot by Briggs, a choke slam and a haluva kick to follow. Two tornado armbar takedowns by Hayes, which were insane. I... I the tornado armbar, it's it's the more aggressive version of the armbar driver that uh, that maneuver that uh, Kushida does that I don't know what to call. So to me, it's the armbar driver. This is a tornado armbar driver. Two of them on the bigger opponent looked really really impressive. Followed by another elevated leg drop and Hayes advances in the tournament. Now, if you want my prediction for the final right now, uh, and it and it may change whether or not they. Um, announced that it's happening on the NXT after TakeOver or whether it's happening at TakeOver. I think the finals of this thing is going to be Carmelo Hayes versus Odyssey Jones. That's just my prediction. I'm not basing that on anything really. The spoilers don't go out as far as would tell me that. I just, it's the feeling that I get. Big star feel from Carmelo Hayes in the now three or four matches that I've seen him in. And Odyssey Jones made a huge impact last week. Uh, Jake and I talked about it. I have one match to go on, and I'm already like, cool, I want to see what that guy does next. That means something. Dakota Kai and Raquel Gonzalez come out, and this is, again, something that I like. I just couldn't get my my excitement up for it. Tonight, they're bragging about their victory over Xia Lee, which is weird. Gonzalez basically gives a who's next speech, 
but most of it's not in English, so I can't exactly tell you what she said. Sorry about that. Kai gets the mic. She starts pulling her over, starts hyping up TakeOver, you know. Come on, come on. TakeOver's coming up. Does, is anybody going to step up to the plate? Whatever. As long as you've got me in your corner, you're going to be the NXT Women's Champion forever. Music hits. They go to leave. She goes to pose in the corner, I guess, because, you know, she's not tall enough already. And Dakota Kai, little scrappy Dakota Kai, who had match of the night at TakeOver, what was it? Portland. The last TakeOver before COVID. And, and we, Jake and I, predicted it. Yes, this is a very Jake-heavy podcast because I'm making a lot of references to shit that we've done before because Jake is a big influence on this show. Let's be real. But when we previewed that show and when we talked about that show afterwards, we said Dakota Kai, Tegan Knox in the No Holds Barred match could be the Dark Horse match of the night and it ended up being Dark Horse match of the night. But yeah, little scrappy Dakota Kai took out Raquel Gonzalez with a haluva kick and that really, really made me smile. This, although it, it didn't have the same pomp and circumstance and it didn't have the same bravado and it didn't have the same, oh my god, we followed these wrestlers for years to everything, this had echoes of the Festival of Friendship. Now, once again, because Jericho's in AEW, AEW fans are going to scream at me in the comment section for making such a dastardly comparison, but it's absolutely true. Dakota Kai is going to get that belt off for Kel Gonzalez because... New Day rocks. No, because I think Vince McMahon is going to take one look at Raquel Gonzalez and want her on the main roster, and that's fine. I think... I think Raquel Gonzalez, uh, out of a lot of other people that they could take up and do nothing with, Raquel Gonzalez is somebody in NXT right now that I think could actually survive the main roster call-up. And, that, and that's saying something, because... Uh, look what they did to Cross. <laughs> and then, at least they debuted Tony Storm the right way. At least they debuted Tony Storm the right way. She squashed Zelina Vega and pissed off a lot of people, especially JD from New... Quick shout out to JD from New York, who's having an absolute aneurysm that Zelina Vega is not already the SmackDown Women's Champion. So, pff, to JD from New York. But uh, they, they debuted Tony Storm with a win, at least. And Shotzi and Knox are... There we go. There goes the light. We don't want that at all. Come on. There we go. Shotzi and Knox, who are so important on SmackDown that all they're doing is shooting Sad Corbin in the dick with the missile from the tank. Moving on. I don't even know where I am here. Come on now. Uh, we see another scene in the back. Stark's trying really, really hard to be Io Shirai's friend, considering they are the new women's tag team champions. Almost forgot that was a thing. Not gonna lie. They, uh... They need to do something. We're going to talk about another team in a second that could fix that, but backstage meeting, or sorry, the cameras sort of roam around backstage and they sort of burst in on a meeting with Mandy Rose, Gigi Dolan, and JC Jade. JC Jade managed to look somewhat good in her squash defeat against Frankie Monet. Gigi Dolan came in actually as Cora Jade's tag team partner, so I wonder what's happening there. And Mandy Rose... I like Mandy Rose. I like the intrigue of what's Mandy Rose doing on NXT. I haven't given up on that just yet. It's it's intentionally, it's it's Gabbo. Like, what's Gabbo doing? What's Gabbo? Why is Gabbo here? Uh, that type of thing. Yes, I definitely stole that from what culture. I really don't care. Um, but in this particular scenario, she's one of these things is not like the other, and it didn't really work for me in that sense. Uh, Stark trying really hard to be friends with Io Shirai is a little 
a little on the lame side, I'm not going to lie. You know what's not really on the lame side is the brand new team of Frankie Monet and Jesse Camilla taking on my new favorite team, because Shotzi and, and Ember are not a thing anymore, of Catanzaro and Carter, because they had a scuffle last week, because Catanzaro and Carter are upset that, I guess, Camilla and Frankie Monet are a team now. Sure, why not? So they're having a match this week, and Robert Stone is out with them, and... I, I love Catanzaro and Carter. I, it blows my mind that they are not in the tag team title picture. It blows my mind that um, Candice and Indy were only in that picture for a very brief period of time as well. But Kamea and Carter start. There's a low drop kick by Carter, a slingshot sent on by Catanzaro, a big boot by Kamea, a spin kick by Carter, a back elbow, a DDT by Frankie Monet, and a snapmare by Frankie Monet, a back elbow and a forearm by Kamea. Carter and Monet trade some strikes. There's some mounted punches by Monet. There's a pump kick by Carter who sets up their opponent for the 450 splash by Catanzaro, which I could be on drugs. I could be hallucinating this, but I think they said on commentary that Catanzaro's 450 splash is called the Catan Zero, or the Catan Zero, whatever. Pun on the name, whatever, I don't care. If that's true, that's actually really cool. I really like that. Um, in the back, we have a pre-tape of Triple H, Shawn Michaels, and William Regal announcing that the rematch, Walter versus Ilya Dragunov for the NXT UK Championship 2, will be happening at TakeOver 36. Now, that's pretty cool. Uh, the world's opening up again. We can invite... Um, not only people, but entire feuds over from the UK brand, get the UK brand a little bit of uh, exposure, because God knows they need it. Um, and Walter versus Dragunov was one of the only, I, you know, eventually saw it at the behest of our good friend Jake, along with a couple of other people. Um, it's one of the only rewatchable empty arena matches that that I can think of over the COVID times. Nothing nothing from the empty... I'm, I'm sorry, I'm including WrestleMania in this. Nothing from the empty arena time am I ever going to go and watch again, but I have watched Walter versus Dragunov um, more than once. And to add that to the card, where they can actually have at least a little bit of an audience, is going to be really cool. Now, Walter might add some interest to his buddies in Imperium. He was not here tonight, though, so I don't have any notes on Imperium versus Hit Row other than Top Dollar and uh, Ashanti the Adonis are really, really fun to watch. They really tried to drag this match through as far as being entertaining. Uh, the story of it is, though, that uh, Legato de Fantasma came on the outside and they attacked Swerve. Imperium get the win. They're building this Imperium versus Hit Row. Sorry, this uh, Legato versus Hit Row thing. And if this ends up being a Trios! Okay, AEW fans, rip your cocks off, it's fine. If this ends up being a Trios match at TakeOver, I'm 100% I'm down for that. Now, I don't know... Do you remember a while ago when... I think it was Undisputed Era. They went and found themselves a random female, and I think it was Tay Conte, so let's just think about how far she's come. Uh, they went and found themselves a random female because they were facing Sanity, who had Nikki Cross. Nikki Cross, who's now Nikki Ash... And the less said about that, the better. I'm really trying to give it credit, but we don't need to go there right now. I don't know whether Legato goes and finds some random female and has that female in her cor in their corner to counteract the effect of 
BFAB, I can't believe that's a name, um, being in the corner of Hit Row. Now, I know, because every now and then when they do a Battle Royal, they fill it with more bodies. I know in the PC they have a Luchadora there. I can't think of her name because I'm a terrible person, but it would it would make sense because they all come down with the mask. She can come down with the mask and just not take it off. That's fine. But um, if this if that becomes a thing or it becomes a four on four mixed tag or whatever, or that's how they introduce the Luchadora to the NXT women's roster. That all of the all of those options are cool. And uh, if they do that at Takeover, then cool. Um, we're in the back with the way and Loomis sends Indy a picture and it's a picture of the way except it doesn't have Austin Theory in it now that's interesting for a lot of reasons but it does have Dexter Loomis in it and Gargano and Candice LeRae they both freak out and this is it this is it and uh, you know he's not great we don't need to give him a chance rah, rah, rah. so Indy says hey why don't you have a match with him Johnny if you win then index will never be a thing, and if and if he wins, then I get to do whatever I want, and you guys stop butting in. Basically, I think they're dubbing it the the love her or leave her match, which is really bad. But that's happening next week, along with Fish versus Strong. Okay, now I skipped through it because I couldn't be bothered, and I was behind in the show. I do know that Malcolm Bivens and Roderick Strong had a sit down interview with. Um, with Wade Barrett, uh, if they built up to this through that, then I don't know what to say because I missed I missed that segment. But Fish versus Strong will be good. Uh, it's pretty predictable when you know that they are thinking about using Roderick Strong to boost up the prestige of the cruiserweight championship, and it's eventually going to lead to Strong versus Kushida. You can pretty much get where it's going to go. And they announced that uh, there's going to be a tag team match, not a trios match, uh, between Hit Row and Legato next week, which is obviously going to be Joaquin Wilde and Raul Mendoza taking on Ashanti the Adonis and Top Dollar, and that'll be fun. That'll probably be a schmoz that will lead to the six-man that will probably take place at TakeOver. Probably, probably, probably. Mumbling, mumbling, mumbling. Predictable, but good predictable is good. I don't... I I don't know. And then we got Cole and Reed versus, in, versus each other. Obviously, fuck. It's tired in here, and it's really hard to stay excited about this episode. Sorry, guys. I looked at the time, I looked at the clock, and there were seven minutes left in the show. And for the amount for the amount that I was legitimately looking forward to Bronson Reed getting a chance to show what he can do against somebody like Adam Cole, again, one of the pillars of the brand, uh, I know I hit that home, but it, it matters. That, um, the fact that they gave him, like, seven minutes or something is piss poor. I'm not going to lie, but anyways, chop blocked by Cole to start the match, who works on the leg, and works on the legs in the ropes as well, pounced by Reed, and it wasn't even really a pounce, he just sort of shoved him off, but that made it even more funny, I guess. Uh, gorilla press slam and an elbow drop by Reed are obviously impressive. Sit-down bomb by Reed, and Cole leads the turnbuckle. Cole super kicks Reed as he's... as he's standing on the second turnbuckle, but I need to explain that better, don't I? He's standing on the second turnbuckle with his back to Cole, as if he's going to do the Vader bomb if Adam Cole had been lying down, but he super kicked him off the ropes by kicking him in the back of the knee, because he's working the leg, which is fine. Commercial break, we come back, uh, Cole's got him in an E-bar, he falls out up with a dragon screw, and then he works the leg in the ropes some more, he does a sit-down bomb on the leg, sideways, in the ropes, and they both trade some strikes once Reed gets back to his feet. There's an avalanche by Reed, a running Sinton, and a knee by Cole. A twisting Samoan drop by Reed, 
which is not something I think I've seen. He's done the Samoan drop, obviously, because he's a big guy in the WWE. Obviously, they all do the Samoan drop. But he sort of, like, springboarded him and, like, twisted him into it. It was... Now that I think about it, it was almost an angle slam, but still with the with the weight and impact of a Samoan drop. So I don't know what to tell you. Um, back elbow by Cole, a series of kicks to the face by by Reed, chops by Reed, insane Panama sunrise by Adam Cole and Reed. I have to give both of these guys credit because let's be real. Adam Cole doing it to somebody the size of Bronson Reed is impressive, and Bronson Reed, to his own credit, to get up and over for the Panama Sunrise is equally impressive. Jackknife powerbomb by Reed, a super kick, but a super kick and a last shot get the win for Adam Cole, and I guess this is Breed's, or sorry, Reed's farewell out of NXT as well. Now, I like, or I, sorry, I give a lot more... I got a lot more time for carrying cross than most people do, but I think most people, uh, for what NXT is or for what they see NXT to be, they are fully ready to see carrying cross go on and and sort of get ruined on the main roster. Bronson Reed, and I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Bronson Reed had a lot more to do on NXT before they moved him up, but it is what it is. And at the end, uh, Adam Cole's he's posing on the rampway, right? And he gets attacked, but he almost telegraphs it because he sort of, not even fully turns his head, but he just sort of glances backwards for a second, like he's waiting for it to come. And I don't know why I found that really funny, but it's a botch, obviously, or it's or it's something that we're not supposed to see, obviously. But it's almost like Adam Cole with the cocky character that he is, he, he's almost daring Kyle O'Reilly to come down and attack him, hits him with the chair, ha holds him down for a while with the with the seat of the, or not the seat, the, the back arch of the chair on the back of his neck, so I was like, what the fuck are they doing here? And then they went back into their history a little bit, and he did the suplex on the wider part of the steps, and that's how we ended the show. So clearly, one of the things we're going to get a takeover is Kyle O'Reilly versus Adam Cole 3, which, again... I will look forward to, a lot of other people will groan about, but you know the match is going to kick ass. So, if I can be positive, if I can be positive, we're getting Joe versus Cross. As, pre as predictable as that is, it's going to be good. Um, Joe's going to get the belt. He's going to probably then go on to feud with Adam Cole. We're going to get Adam Cole versus Samoa Joe for the NXT Championship. That's never going to hurt anybody's feelings, is it? Also on that card, we got Ilya Dragunov versus Walter 2, which is going to kick ass. We're probably, it's pretty safe to say, getting Dakota Kai versus Raquel Gonzalez. God knows what they're doing with either of the tag team divisions. And I do believe at this point in time, the North American Championship will be tied up in the trios match that I'm predicting between Hit Row and Legato del Fantasma. But if they don't go in that direction, you can always have... Um, can't speak now, I swear. Uh, you can always have Santos Escobar versus Isaiah Swerve Scott for that championship on the card as well, but you know you're going to have both guys' groups there, and it's going to be a schmoz. So, I uh, I don't know what to tell you. I really... A lot of the stuff was predictable. Some of it was spoiled for me, so that's really not something I can take out on the show. The Imperium stuff drags the show, sucks the energy out of the show. The Grimes and Night stuff needs to stop. It just does. Uh, a lot of the other stuff is is working towards okay stuff. The way is still funny. If they're losing Austin Theory, that's going to be interesting. I said 
I said last week that if they lose Austin Theory, and it's true that Austin Theory is going to the main roster, I think he'll do good. But I think that will be a blow to the the faction that's left behind in NXT because the way. And, it, and they're not main eventing anything right now, but they could. Gargano could main event uh, a pay-per-view. If promoted the right way for the women's title, Candice LeRae could main event a pay-per-view. I, I, believe that that's, I believe that that's true. Or she and Indy could go back for the tag titles again. They're not in the main event picture right now. They are providing some much-needed comedy on a show that doesn't have enough good comedy. But they're still an important part of the show. Uh, the Dexter Loomis shit... Needs. Take Dexter. Put Dexter Loomis on Raw. You couldn't do Dexter Loomis any worse than what he is right now. Take Imperium up to Raw. They're already boring. Stop taking away the people I like. Stop taking away Shotzi and Knox and Tony Storm and Bronson Reed. Take the people that are ruining NXT and let them ruin another show that probably can't be ruined anyway because it's fucking Raw. Next week, we're getting, like I say, Fish versus Strong, Hit Row versus Legato, Gargano versus Loomis in the Love Her or Leave Her match. We're probably going to see some fallout with Karrion Cross because he wasn't there this week. He was busy gallivanting in Raw land. I'm rambling now at this point. Uh, if you're still listening, thank you. I'm. It's kind of a piss off that what is supposed to be my favorite show of the week is bumming me out like this. I don't know I don't know what to say. Maybe it's because I don't have Jake with me. Like, like you know let's let's finish off with another with another shout out to Jake. So huge shout out to Jake DeMarco. Go go bug him at Countdown Ended and tell him that Spaz was rambling about him on the review. We'll talk about something else much more fun probably at the end of the week. Um I don't know what else to say. I really hope next week is better, but next week is also pre-taped and also on sci-fi, and I also know some of the things that are happening there, so what the fuck. In two weeks, you might get positive spaz again, and in the era of COVID, that's probably the only positive spaz you want. That's a shitty joke. I should stop. I've been spaz, your YWC reality check. Subscribe up there, talk down there, start a conversation. Keep all these conversations going. Don't be a stranger. I will talk to each and every last one of you later, but for right now, tagging out. Bye, guys.